at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The first reading today, the Old Testament reading, is from Isaiah, chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines drained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all on the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on this day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of the Lord. The psalm is Psalm 24. Please read responsively. The earth is the Lord's, and all that is in it, the world, and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas, and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand by his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Our New Testament reading is from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6a. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who, has, who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for those words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel.
Gospel according to John, the 11th chapter. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, hopefully everyone got a chance to get a sticker that says, I am a beloved saint of God. If not, we still have some up front you can get uh, later on during communion. But it is a reminder for us. Today, we as the church, we remember and we give thanks for the saints who have died this year. We also give thanks for those who have joined the body of Christ through the waters of baptism as well. Now, this brings up for some of us some emotions, some grief that might come And it is part of why I think the church does this, so that we can support one another and lean on each other through all times of life, not just the good times, but during the struggles as well. So we call this day, well, actually it was November 1st every year, but we always put it on the closest Sunday after Reformation to November 1st, and so it's this Sunday. But we remember on All Saints Sunday that it is through Christ alone that we are all made saints and that our baptism is a tangible sacrament of this new identity that we receive. It's easy, I think, for me and maybe you as well to fall into the mindset of just simply thinking that saints are only those who did spectacular or amazing things, who performed miracles or made tremendous sacrifices in their lives for the sake of God and for the church. Now, They may have done some of those things, but from my perspective, I think mythologizing the saints really just kind of dehumanizes them, and it takes away the reality of the transformation and the new creation that comes from following Jesus Christ. If we make our saints just the perfect people, well, to me anyways, I think they kind of become less inspiring. They're they're out of reach of us, and our focus then, I think, is taken away from the God who actually inspired them to live their lives in a different way. It's kind of like this, maybe. It's like this glass globe that I have hanging in my kitchen uh, 
window. It hangs in that window, and if I, I love it when the morning light shines through that glass and it puts rainbows all over my kitchen floor and table, and it is beautiful. But without that, the sun, it's just a piece of glass. And I think that's what we do sometimes with saints. We focus so much on the glass, we forget whose light they are reflecting the light and love of God through their lives. So although I would say there clearly are people, past and present, who have inspired our faith through the way they've lived out their relationship with God, it is very important to remember that they are still very human. And that's a good thing. As the saying goes, they put on their pants one leg at a time, just like all of us do. And that means we can do that or something similar as well through living out our lives because we all know that we become saints through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, and it is through him that we receive this new identity as saints of God, and we gain the assurance of this new identity we have through the waters of baptism that we are all, in fact, beloved saints of God. The cross that was marked on our foreheads during our baptism and during Ash Wednesday and many other times throughout the year. Hopefully you mark that cross as a reminder. It tells us that we have a new identity that transcends everything this world throws at us. Ethnicity, race, culture, borders, nationality, citizenship, all of those things become secondary to our new identity as Christians, as beloved children of God, as saints, as followers of Jesus That is our identity, our true identity, and our true freedom comes through this identity where we live. It is not based on where we live or how much money we make or who we vote for or what country's flag we wave. None of those things matter. Our identity as followers of Christ is in the cross, and that's good news. Our identity and freedom is found in Christ alone. It's good news for us. It is good news for the world. Now, throughout the church's history, when we have chosen the side of the poor and the outcast and the downtrodden, if we have chosen the way of love and compassion, our identities as followers of Jesus has been strong and clear. But when the church has allowed itself to strive for political power and for financial gain, well, bad things have happened. Just look at what we talked about last week during the Reformation when we talked about the need for the church to be changed We always need to side on the side of love and compassion, on the side of the poor, the outcast, and the downtrodden, because that's where Christ calls us. Now, to come back full circle then to our Scripture readings, many of you might have recognized most, if not all of them, from funerals that you often attend. Isaiah 25 gives us this hope that God will one day fully destroy the shroud of death that is cast over all people and provide for all people this beautiful feast, which includes some great food and some great wine. And then in Revelation 21, we hear the, a promise where God will dwell among God's people, wiping away tears and creating a world where crying and mourning and pain will be no more because God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God encompasses everything. That is our hope. That is our promise in life and in death. The words of hope and promise, they come through these Scripture texts as God's action and mercy for us and for the world. 
No other organization or company or sports team or political party or leader usurps our identity as followers of Christ, not even being a Seattle sports fan. None of that takes as high a place in our lives as Christ. We should become more loving, more compassionate neighbor, more loving employee, a better citizen because we are followers of Jesus and wear that cross on our forehead, giving us our permanent identity. Now, one other thing that the cross of Christ does for us, among many others, of course, is that it brings us together as a community that unlike any team or organization or anything else can do, the cross unites us. As Jesus repeatedly will say in the Gospel of John in just a couple chapters after our reading today, the world will know that you are my followers if you have love for one another just as I have loved you. And then he washes his disciples' feet and calls them to be servants of all. Remember that mission that we are called to? That's what we do as followers of Jesus, as the saints of God. So this brings us then to our gospel reading, this wild and amazing story of Lazarus. Jesus shows up late, and Lazarus has already been dead in the tomb for four days. His family and his friends and his community are all mourning his death together. And Jesus sees all of that, experiences all of that, and he is deeply moved to tears by their grief. And so Jesus is brought to Lazarus' tomb with the entire community present and family and friends, and Jesus gives commands for other people to do things. In verse 39, Jesus says, take away the stone. Then Jesus prays. Then Jesus says to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus listens and comes out. And then Jesus again gives a command to those who are around Lazarus to unbind him and let him go. This work is done through Jesus' command, through Jesus' words, but it is lived out through a community that are together. Through Jesus' commands, the community does most of the work of this miracle. I mean, of course, with the exception of bringing Lazarus back to life, that's the Holy Spirit's work and God's work, not ours. But all the other stuff is what we are called to do. And I want to say, I have seen over and over and over again here at First Lutheran Church, this community of saints rally around and gather around those who are grieving especially, both those who are grieving as active members, but also just families that are connected in our community in various ways. We, as the saints of God here at First Lutheran, have this great tendency to follow Jesus' command to love each other in the midst of our pain. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, this last eight or nine days alone, Pastor Brandy and I were talking with our, we have four funerals, and time and again, we see this community rally together through meals, through nice table settings in the parish hall, through countless bars delivered, through hugs, phone calls, text messages, emails, a simple Kleenex handed to someone, we come together as the body of Christ to walk with those who are grieving, those who are lost, those who are alone, those who are in need of compassionate care. And there's just been, even to broaden the lens a little bit, so much need for compassion and love in these last 20 months or so in our own community as we've dealt with the pandemic and so much more. For us as saints of God, we are brought together 
with all the other things put to the side, we are brought together under the cross of Christ, marked on our forehead, washed in the waters of baptism. We go and we love and we care for each other. In this community, we are called to serve as well. Jesus' call is what motivates us. It's what sends us out, just like in the Lazarus story. So, beloved saints of God wearing a sticker, hopefully, or if you're at home, you can write it on your hand or whatever, we need to remember whose we are and who it is that we serve. We are beloved saints of God, first and foremost, good news for us and good news for the world. And Jesus now calls us out to go out to those who are grieving and lost and alone, to go boldly in Jesus' name to serve all that we can. Thanks be to God for our unified mission. Amen.